Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my superhero co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Hello and welcome back, Haley and listeners. We are very excited to be talking about She-Hulk today, Um, a weird show, a different kind of show, both for us and for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a lawyer, procedural, (laughs) comedy, who knows exactly how this will be described, but uh, it was really fun and different, and we're going to have a lot of fun breaking it down, but Mm -hmm. Haley, I couldn't help but to picture myself as the therapist of Jennifer Walters or some of the other superheroes that we meet mm-hmm. in this show, because it felt so grounded in reality. Like this didn't mm-hmm. really feel like a superhero show as much as a lawyer comedy that yeah, happened like to a have human show with superheroes in it. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. And they also bring up therapy so much or like therapy concepts. Yeah, and in really sort of normalized ways. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like forced. It didn't feel like, oh, we're beating you over the head with, you know, what is trauma and, mm-hmm. you know, look at this person having flashbacks. It's just like, mm-hmm. no, it's sometimes people go to retreats and need group therapy uh-huh. or sometimes uh-huh. people, you know, have DBT lessons from their superhero cousin, whatever, <laughs> totally normal. So, but it, it prompted the question for me, like, if you were in this world and let's just say, all superheroes could benefit from therapy just the way all people could benefit from therapy. Who would you be most curious to work with? Mm -hmm. And let's just say all the superheroes, you don't have to be limited to, you know, the MCU if you don't want to be. Well, I'm picking MCU. So. Okay, cool. For me, I, I settled on Spider-Man. Tom Holland's version, I think is the most accurate version of the character because he's actually meant to be, a teenager he's meant to be kind of for lack of a better word like kind of an idiot um but like in sure. an age way not in like a an intellectual way but i love working with teenagers who are driven and want to do good and want to succeed and want to help but just can't quite figure out how to do it mm. i also really like teenagers who kind of have adult ways about them or like yeah very mature kind of, for their age yes. yeah <laughs> but also then turn around and are like i have a crush on this person and i don't know what to do you know so like yes. have these like really mature yes. moments but then also like melt down at these new teenage experiences and i think spider-man is the perfect example of that there's a lot of pressure on him both to be a teenager but also to be a superhero and Tom Holland's version I think is very well done in they balance that pressure and that annoyance and that frustration really well. And I think working with a kid like that would be really fun because it would be a lot of 
well, when do you want to be a kid? When do you want to recognize mm. that like there may be certain things that you do have to give up if you want to be a superhero? And also like when are times when you're going to be like, you know, no, I don't want this great responsibility. I want to go to prom. Yeah. And I think that would be really fun to work with. Poor little guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what about you? Do you have somebody that you're like, ooh, if I was the superhero therapist, this would be it? Well, it's funny because that was the first one that popped into my head. But oh, since funny. you stole it. Oh, no. <laughs> I will go in a slightly different direction because I think – Something that's interesting about She-Hulk, and and you know we'll go into that when we talk specifically about this person. But two other characters that came to mind are people who don't actually have superpowers, but are in this world, right? And they are ostensibly superheroes. So those two characters for me are Tony Stark, Iron Man, and okay. Scott Lang, Ant Man. I think are oh, both uh-huh. two very interesting characters in this world. Obviously. You know, Iron Man, like huge ego tech billionaire guy uh-huh. who has some complicated dad issues and, uh-huh. and relationship issues. And obviously in, in the MCU, technically he is deceased, but, yes. you know, uh, working with him within the confines <laughs> uh-huh. of, uh, of you know, who knows, maybe he's going to come back Metaverse. would be one. And if we're sticking with like, who's still alive, uh, Scott Lang, I think is a really interesting character because... Similarly to uh, Iron Man, no superpowers, right? Just mm-hmm. like he's like a good criminal. So he was given this suit that allows him to be an even better criminal oh, funny. <laughs> in the sense that he can. But he's now also part of this superhero team and he's got some family issues like his he's divorced and he still has a relationship with his teenage daughter but his wife remarried and it's like oh my god that combination of stressors is just fascinating right Mm -hmm. where family dynamics and and fatherhood oh but also like on weekends i go into the quantum realm and keep reality from disintegrating or Uh whatever his adventures would involve um so like that flaky as a person? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, um, certainly historically, like when we first meet him, it's basically like, oh, I've, I'm in prison again. You know, I, I got uh, involved with, a, you know, a theft. And it was I said it was going to be my last one, but, you know, I got caught up. So now mm-hmm. I'm basically in prison and I miss, you know, months or in some cases years at a time mm-hmm. uh, away from his daughter. So, yeah, not, not the best guy, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I don't mind a history of bad choices, but flakiness well, right. drives me nuts. But that's part of his like <laughs> history. That's part of his like superhero arc is uh-huh. like going from this history, this life of crime to this person who now has responsibilities and is part mm-hmm. of this team and, you know, is is Being seen in this very different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that for me is is really interesting. And would make for a very interesting course of therapy if you were interested in it. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that that brings us back to, to Jennifer Walters. And we are going to dive into She-Hulk and all the trials and tribulations that she goes through uh, right after this break.
Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. She-Hulk Attorney at Law is an American television series created by Jennifer Gao for the streaming service Disney Plus. Based on Marvel character She-Hulk and premiered over the summer of 2022. So here we are. Something very current, Haley, mm-hmm. is, is uh, something we were excited to talk about because in many ways it sort of dominated a lot of media and internet conversation, certainly mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks there when it was premiering, uh, up into the somewhat weird and controversial last episode like very meta fourth wall breaking so a really fun show Mm -hmm. you know for people who didn't already know a little bit about she hulk from her comics history this was a pretty loyal adaptation like she is a different type of character she's meant to be funny she's meant to be um sort of a unique representation within the superhero world because She's grounded in the sense of like, hey, superheroes are doing all these crazy things. They inevitably are going to run into legal issues. Like, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be great if we had a superhero lawyer? Uh-huh. And there we are. So, you know, we're introduced to Jen Walters. Basically, within the first couple minutes, basically, she's, you know, on a trip with her cousin, Bruce. Bing, bang, boom. As as every superhero story goes mm-hmm. The magic blood gets into her blood, and she is now a Hulk. Mm-hmm. And the sort of identity crisis begins pretty quickly. Yeah. And also, like, the origin story is very different. Yes. Yeah. Peter Parker is going about, like, kind of putting himself in situations where he's about to get bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> and totally. Yeah. Tony Stark builds himself a suit. And, right. So, like, all these people kind of find themselves in positions that get them their superpowers or something like that. Whereas she was just going on vacation with her cousin and helping him out of a car and kind of thrust upon her in a way that's different. Yeah, it's definitely a unique circumstance. And and then we can understand why a lot of her initial reaction is like, thanks, but number one, like, well, that, that, yeah. So there's that, but there's also like Bruce kind of immediately tries to put it on her, like whether she likes it or not, she's a superhero now. Uh-huh. Um, she's going to be an Avenger. Like she has, you know, all these sorts of responsibilities that come with these powers and abilities now. And she's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, actually, I just want to go back to being a lawyer. Uh-huh. And I thought you made a, a really interesting comparison in our notes where people just like Jennifer every day go through life-changing circumstances not necessarily where they gain superpowers but you know whether (laughs) it's not that (laughs) usually not that most of the time not that but you know whether it's other types of life-changing circumstances major Uh losses accidents disabilities things that through no fault of the person Mm -hmm. they now have whether it's a dual identity or Mm -hmm. a sort of major way 
that like they're seeing like, oh my gosh, you're the person that was in that crazy accident. Mm-hmm. Or oh my gosh, yep. you're the person that, you know, this thing happened to. Mm-hmm. And then that becoming like the way that you're known, despite you probably not wanting to have anything to do with that, mm-hmm. you know, that shift in your percent in the way yeah. that you're or perceived. Or not even right? having had time to decide how much you want it to be a part of your identity and then people being like this is now your identity yeah and that's basically what bruce does to her in that first episode is is tries to kind of prepare her in a way that he didn't get a chance to prepare like he's has Mm -hmm. he has this whole binder full of lessons of what she Mm -hmm. has to kind of do to adapt to her hulk experience Mm -hmm. and they're obviously based on his expectations which for him he did not have anyone to guide him he Mm -hmm. was just a raging uh beast in many ways before Mm -hmm. he was a superhero he was just sort of like an out of control Mm -hmm. monster which was how he was seen as well um so based on those expectations he was putting that on her of like you're gonna have to deal with all this stuff Mm -hmm. and lo and behold actually no, she that doesn't. is not her experience <laughs> at uh, all. And, and I think that's one of the things that we start to see that's very different about Jen from the outset. So when you're seeing her, let's say, go through this adjustment in this immediate sense, and I think they really do a good job showing this where it's like, Hulk, you know, feels like he's throwing all these crazy lessons at her. And she's just like, yeah, okay, check what's next. Uh huh sort of does hardly struggles at all uh-huh. with any of the things that he's sort of expecting her to struggle with. Yeah. Well, I think, um, as you know, like my favorite line from the whole series comes from this kind of like training montage where yes. he basically is like, every time you have anger and fear, you're going to hulk out and you're going to need to know how to control it. And she looks at him, she goes, anger and fear. Those are like the baseline of any woman existing. And that line resonated so strongly with me because I think being a woman, you're constantly just angry and afraid, but like not in a way where it's immediately like cortisol raising, but in a way that you are constantly able to kind of like manage it and like if you're walking down the street at night and there are people that you're like not sure kind of what's going on, you're able to like both be afraid and be like, okay, how afraid do I need to be? At what point do I need to like react mm. on this fear? Um, how much do I need to kind of manage my fear, keep it down? And so Jen is basically goes through these situations like when he blows the horn in her ear or when the men hit on her outside the bar or when he makes the like chainsaws come at her she has very fearful reactions in those moments and she hulks out in those moments and then immediately as soon as she realizes like there is nothing immediately for me to be afraid of is able to be like yeah okay i'm still hulk form because that was still scary and my biology is still reacting to it also i can move forward pretty naturally and i thought that was kind of cool in that like really representing like it's being a woman is not like a permanently scary thing, but it's also like kind of a permanently scary thing. There's certain things that I remember having conversations with my friends about and our male friends were like, literally never even crossed my mind. Like that's not something yeah. I've ever thought of. And we were like, I mean, you, you park close and in a lighted place when you know it's going to be dark when you come out of the grocery store. Yeah, it's just I think that was like really well represented. Absolutely. And and there's a, a really 
like popular, I want to say it's a Twitter thread or something that I've mm-hmm. seen where it's basically like, women, if if men didn't exist for 24 hours, like, what would that change about how you what, what you would do over the course of the day? Or what would you look forward to doing? Yeah, the number mm-hmm. one thing is what? Running yeah. or going for a walk at night. Yes. Which is so yeah. crazy. Like, basically, like, I yes. want to be able to, like, go for a jog without having to think about and if like it'll be not light. have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like yeah. so crazy. It, it, it's sad. And, and I think that that people don't really understand, you know, because I think when people see that answer, certain types of people, it's like, well, why can't you just do that? And it's coming from that place of really not knowing, really not understanding um, what Jen tries to tell Hulk, which is basically mm-hmm. like, yeah, you took years to get your anger under control because you never really had to before. Mm-hmm. You know, you never had to practice these dbt skills to regulate your emotions Uh and whereas for her like this is normal this is life this is something that she's had to do Mm -hmm. just because she's a woman and Mm -hmm. that those are things that she has to do to survive and Mm -hmm. and beyond survival there's also like cultural and social expectations too right absolutely you have as as a woman you have this anger you have this fear you have all the emotions that men also have however the emotions that men are more freely allowed to show women are not really allowed to show well actually kind of emotions across the board because you know then the words hysterical or emotional or crazy come out if a woman expresses her emotional experience in a emotional way and so yeah like kind of hulk basically says to her like emotions bad. Like that's kind of the message he sends to her, which is kind of the message we are sent in our culture is like, just yes. kind of be emotionless, which like, sure, that would be nice, except for the fact that like, that's not the human experience. Yeah. 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 And, and even if it's not emotions bad, it's emotions dangerous, right? And we mm-hmm. see Hulk try to kind of like trigger her, you know, he sets off uh noise uh, to wake mm-hmm. her up in the morning and she turns into a hulk but unlike bruce's early experiences she's in full control even as her she hulk form mm-hmm. right um so for her it's like she can be angry and also herself whereas mm-hmm. that was not bruce's experience if he was angry and he turned him into hulk it was just raging monster out of control mm-hmm. um which you know as he acknowledged like took him years to kind of be able to meld those personalities so either so it wasn't either bruce or hulk it was Mm -hmm. smart hulk which Uh is such a funny like Uh an identity way to represent how he's come he's he's come Uh to terms with it yeah Yeah. well and one thing that i really liked was one of the um, episodes was titled a normal amount of rage and it was basically in this training montage kind of moments where she basically was saying like no, I'm not overwhelmed by my anger. I'm just angry. Or I'm not overwhelmed by my fear. I'm just afraid. And I think that that is a really cool kind of like acceptance. Yeah. Like approach of like, this isn't an abnormal amount of rage. I am angry. This is a normal amount of rage. And I really love that. The whole narrative of like, you can be angry, you can be afraid and still decide how you want to engage with that. And in some circumstances, like the courtroom with Titania, she engages in a typically aggressive, angry way. And sometimes she crosses her arms and rolls her eyes. And I like, 
I think that's a cool representation of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she basically proves to Bruce. Um, and the line that I love is like, you know, I think she basically turns to camera, which is this sort of ongoing fourth wall breaking tendency mm -hmm. that Jennifer Walters has, which is amazing. And she basically says, basically, I was right. Bruce was wrong. And I never have to be a Hulk. Anyway, so now I'm going to win this case, lawyer show. And that's how she like tries to control her narrative. Uh huh. And, you know, and, and, I guess to de to defend that attempt, like this is something that I think is not just a a, a woman experience. Is is a lot of people that you and I see in therapy, where it's like, you know, my job wants to me to be this all the time. Like mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be available to receive email emails and send messages all the time. Like that's mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to be to them. Mm -hmm. I think this has especially been true for people in the pandemic, where it's like the lines between mm -hmm. family life and work life have just completely been destroyed at at, at worst blurred at best yeah, right you're not leaving the office and much like well right exactly and and much like jennifer it's like no lawyer show like i'm a lawyer mm -hmm. forget all of this other things like i don't have to be that mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people are are sort of wrestling with that same sort of identity boundary of like who do I want to be? And I'm going to control when I get to be that thing or if mm -hmm. I ever have to be that thing, mm -hmm. you know, in the case of her, whether or not she's a Hulk. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she she learns some lessons about that. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think that like, there's such a thin line and it's a lot of the work that I do um, between what's in our control and what's not in our control. So for example, if somebody's yeah. like, oh, I don't want to be this person's daughter. Okay, but if they're genes made you, you are their daughter. However, you don't have to take that identity on and you don't have to engage with them and you don't have to have a relationship with them and you don't have to move forward considering them a part of your story. However, you can't change the fact that they are your biology, right? And so for her, what we see is that, yeah, she can de-hulk herself as easily as Bruce or, or much more easily than Bruce can. Yeah. Oh, However, yeah. mm -hmm. when she gets angry or afraid or things like that, or, or emotional, she naturally hulks out as well. So she, unless she expects to never be afraid or never be angry again, that's one thing that she can't control. She can only control kind of how she reacts to it or how she uses it, when she uses it, how she uses yeah. it, and then mm -hmm. how much she makes it a part of her identity, which, as we see over the show she kind of gets pressured into like accepting and engaging the identity. Well, yeah. So, so some of those challenges that she faces is even like the first time that she basically like publicly transforms in court. Mm -hmm. um, she basically immediately loses her job. Right. Even uh -huh. though she saved the jury and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, did a superhero thing mm -hmm. immediately. It was looked at as like a liability. So it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, this thing that you thought that you did, that was good. Actually, you're losing your job because mm -hmm. of it. So immediately she sees this sort of consequence of do I embrace this part of myself? Do I deny this part of myself? Mm -hmm. And then when she ultimately gets offered the job as a superhero lawyer in the superhero law division, mm -hmm. she's initially very excited, which of course, mm -hmm. but then it's like, oh, but actually we are hiring the version of identity. you that... Yeah. Yes. 
Right. So now even further blurring the lines between when does she get to be herself, who is herself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think especially in the context of a job, it becomes a really difficult thing for her to find acceptance and find people that like her just for who she is when she wants to be herself. And, you know, I think these are some really interesting themes that are like very normal things that we would deal with in therapy, you know, aside mm-hmm. from the sort of typical like, oh, I've, de- I've been depressed for the last six months and, you know, I need to come into therapy. It's like, you know, obviously that's a good reason to come into therapy, but so also is, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, my identity at work or I'm really mm-hmm. struggling with work-life balance. Like those yeah. are absolutely appropriate reasons yeah. to come into therapy as well. Or like I have always wanted to be a doctor and so I went to pre-med and now I'm applying for med school. Now I'm in med school and I hate it and I don't think I want to become a doctor. Like that, there's such a fear of letting go of a plan that you've always had or had Mm. for a long time or even a plan you've had for a short time but have invested a lot in and being like, this is so much a part of who I am. How do I choose whether to continue forward with it for whatever valued reason or how do I choose to let it go for whatever valued reason and and we see Jen do that explicitly because she has this moment of I want to be a lawyer it makes she makes it very clear that she loves being a lawyer we also know that she does not love being the Hulk or a Hulk and then she's given this opportunity of okay circumstances have made it really hard for you to be a lawyer however if you're willing to be she hulk you can then do this thing that you love and she ultimately is like mm-hmm. as long as i get to be a lawyer i will do this thing but then she even starts doing it kind of in service of other things like getting dates um but in a way that is not as fulfilling so at work it ends up being fulfilling because she gets to be a lawyer she likes doing the law um things like that mm-hmm. but then when she she hulks on dates she doesn't feel seen and she doesn't feel mm. connected with or accepted as a whole person a whole being yeah and so in some ways hulking out really serves her and in other ways it really doesn't serve her Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, there's this literal demand for her to be She-Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. It's like people are celebrating her and excited uh, when she shows up as Mm She-Hulk. But it's like as soon as she is not She-Hulk, she is anonymous. She is, you know, the sort of value that she reasonably hopes to have still as a person and as a person who you know wants to have relationships and wants to have a job it sort of like fades fades Mm -hmm. away and you know for someone who then has to like fight to keep the she-hulk name the she-hulk identity Uh it's just like this incredible internal conflict where it's like is this something i actually care about is this something that i actually want Mm -hmm. Or is it, do I, am I just fighting for it? Because if I don't have this, I don't know what else I have. Like what mm-hmm. an incredible internal conflict for someone to deal with. Uh-huh. Well, and I think that that's a really good separation of kind of like the two directions where that can go of, yep. I don't want to let this go because I don't know what I am without this versus like, you know, I didn't think I wanted this, but now that it's possibly not going to be mine, I, I realize I do want it. It's become a part of me. I think this is such a silly example, but 
growing up when there was like trying to decide like a flavor of something or what game we were going to play or something like that. My brother and I used to do rock, paper, scissors, um, where one of us would be one game and the other one would be the other game. But the rule was once we start playing rock, paper, scissors, whoever wins, that's what we play, or that's the flavor you eat, or that's like, there's no changing it. So if you decide to go the rock, paper, scissors route, you have to know that you are okay with whatever the outcome is. And what that would yep. sometimes do is the other person would be like, okay, well, let's do rock, paper, scissors. And then you'd be like, okay, no, 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 I want chocolate. I want chocolate. <laughs> right. And it like, uh, yeah, the minute yeah, there was yeah. like the possibility that like, one of the options would be taken from you, you suddenly were like, actually, this is what I really want. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I didn't want it or I thought I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like they kind of represented it as though like for Jen, it was just like a branding thing. Well, I'm just annoyed because that's what people have been calling me. Like it's my name. But at the same time, I like in order, even if that is where it starts in order for her to have to keep it, she has to like show like, here's moments where I, chose to identify this and like with intent and and meaning and potentially value and i think even if it was cognitive dissonance through that process she really started to recognize like oh i have chosen to accept this identity time and time again well yeah and not only that and they you know there was a sort of moment where she's you know, reluctantly calling up all the bad dates that she had that mm-hmm. she identified herself as and they identified her as She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody even says to her, like, wow, you were really willing to publicly embarrass, embarrass yourself. yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. At, yeah. And she's kind of like, yeah, like, that's one of the things I'm I'm best at or like, uh-huh. you know, and she and, you know, embraces it in the in the sort of spirit of of self-deprecation. And she does sort of have a little bit of that over the course of the show where, you know, there's just, it just feels like this sort of sense of, she she has acceptance, right, of Mm -hmm. the fact that she is She-Hulk. But at the same time, there's this, just this dissatisfaction, uh, you know, and and maybe I'm overanalyzing, you can, you can Mm -hmm. correct me, but it's like, you know, there's just like this, this sense of, this is not, what I wanted my life to be. And yeah. I'm still kind of dealing and figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. Even as she has sort of unique experiences with it. Yeah. And I think there's multiple things because the, um, her kind of parading her dates out there to me mm-hmm. didn't come across self-deprecating as much as like, dude, I got a list of guys that dated me as she Hulk and it did not go well. And like, I'm not, Sure, it's kind of embarrassing to be like they weren't interested, but also like, well, they weren't interested. However, well, she wins the case. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, to me, it doesn't feel self deprecating. It feels like very, like, I mean, yeah, it sucks, but also, like, yeah, who cares? However, mm. when you speak about her identity as She Hulk specifically, so in kind of yeah. in, I think she as a whole is a very confident woman. I think her confidence in her desire to be She-Hulk still developing. So I think where you speak there of being a little self-deprecating, a little bit resistant, a little bit woe is me. Yeah. Which is also totally natural, right? So an example that I have is I work with a lot of people with medical conditions and you get a diabetes Mm -hmm. diagnosis or a cancer diagnosis and you're willing to be like, okay, 
this is my life now. I'm going to treat it. I'm going to check my insulin every day. I'm going to get chemo. I'm going to do these things. And then you have the days of like, Haley, I get it, but I hate it. It's not fair that you don't have to check your blood sugar every day. This sucks. I don't want this to be a part of my identity. I recognize that it is. I accept yeah. that it is. I don't like it. And both can be true. Both can truly be true. And and I think the the hope is that over time, the second feeling becomes less overwhelming and the first feeling becomes more present. But I think right now she's really in this phase of like a lot of pressure from a lot of people of like idolizing the the idea of her being She-Hulk and then eventually villainizing the idea of her being She-Hulk yeah. and her being like, I don't want either of these. Like I don't I'm I don't want to be the She-Hulk you want me to be. Um, I think a perfect example of it, and as a curly-haired girl, I had a very visceral reaction. Her aunt like plays with her hair at one point and says, like, oh, let's get this hair to look more like She-Hulks. And I like lost my mind because I was like, oh, the number of times Mm. people have been like, your hair would be look so much nicer if you didn't wear it curly. But in that moment, even this woman who like we assume really loves her is like, oh, there's this like other version of you that like would be better if you like just made your hair like the She-Hulks or if you were were just more stronger like the She-Hulk or just and that's a lot of pressure, I think, of trying to not only identify whether you want this to be a part of your identity, but also like, how do you want this to be a part of your identity? Yeah. Well, right. Because again, this sort of overarching theme of like the narrative, you know, the degree to which she's in control of the story about her, right. As Mm -hmm. she Hulk, right. Mm -hmm. Cause this happens in her case with Emil Blonsky abomination where she's able to kind of, win the case very impressively and then it's just kind of like okay mr blonsky like you're on your own please just stay out of trouble and one of the quotes is that that he says is um you know saying to jennifer is like they're gonna write a story about you one way or the other so it's better to be a part of it Mm -hmm. in that sense of like better to have a say in what the story is and the way that it's told and then she proceeds to to go on the news and sort of defends the She-Hulk name and that even if she's not a fan of it, mm-hmm. like it's stuck. So mm-hmm. she's so she's owning it basically. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she has this positive moment, the anchor announces that they're going to like take a break and then talk about her diet and exercise secrets uh, next. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh man. And this was like the push and pull of her across the, the course of these episodes where it's like, Oh, she's figuring it out. Oh, it's falling apart. Oh, mm-hmm. she's finding comfort. Oh, it's it's blowing up in her face. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a really good representation of what, like, non-superheroes people's life is like, where, mm-hmm. you know, even, even in therapy, even coming into therapy, and you and I have talked about this before, ending therapy is just an acknowledgement of like, hey, things are good right now, and you're handling them well. That doesn't mean that like the just a straight trajectory up from here on out because you mm-hmm. finished therapy like there are going to be other bumps and and we see that those ups and downs for Jennifer throughout the course of the show one of which leads her into group therapy which I definitely uh-huh. wanted to talk about yeah right before you move on to that I want to check in with you yeah, yeah. so the Emil Blonsky quote of like the they're going to write about you anyway yes. so you might as well have a say in the story how do you feel about that yes. quote so I think it obviously it, it mostly applies to people that I feel like are in the public eye. Well, I think 
you can have a say of like well in your neighborhood or at your church or in sure, your team yeah, of, or at work course. yeah yeah so so right so that's that's why i say that is like the context is mm-hmm. like who is the they that mm-hmm. we're thinking about right because if it's your coworkers or your boss or your kids, like all mm-hmm. of those things sort of take on a different weight or a different meaning. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're going to have a perception of you. They're telling themselves a story about you mm-hmm. um, better to kind of have that active role. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent that we can like have that active influence over it. So I, I like the mindset. Mm-hmm. I think what I, what I am nervous about when framing it that way for people is, you know, that sort of push and pull of like thinking so much about what other people think of you and Mm -hmm. the story that other people are telling of you Mm -hmm. and both reconciling with that and trying to have a say and control it. And then just the other side of it is just sort of letting go and Mm -hmm. sort of like, well, yeah, they're going to tell whatever story they want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of focus on me and my own story, Mm -hmm. um, which is sort of what we're seeing Jen do as Mm -hmm. well. Right. Of like, you know, I know what how these stories usually go and Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in participating in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had I think we ultimately kind of come to the same conclusion, but I have a different reaction to it, which is if they're going to say what they want to say, like you don't need to say any like you get to decide whether you want to be a part of it or not. And I, I know a lot of people. I see it all the time of like on like celebrity Instagrams and stuff are like, when are you going to come out and tell us your side of the story? We deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't deserve anything. Like they get to decide whether they want to share their side of the story or not. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a really important thing is like, there's a story that's going to be told about you, whether it's your coworkers or whether it's the general public. Cause you're a celebrity, yeah. you get to decide whether you want to participate in that story or not, because like, even sometimes when you participate, they will be like, Oh, she was obsessed with herself as the she Hulk. And all she cares about is that we see her as the she Hulk. And she's like, Oh my God, I just came out so that you guys would stop talking about it. Now you're talking about it more. And so I think being really thoughtful of like, not what do I think I can control, Mm -hmm. but what do I want? I want to be able to say that I said this thing or you know what, if they're going to write whatever story, I want to be able to say that I just continued to live my life the way I wanted to live it. Yeah. I don't know. That's my thought about that of like, there's often this like, so be active. Yeah. And I'm like, well, sometimes you don't have to. Like sometimes activity is less. Well, well, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it because you can be as active as you want to be. The, the story that yeah. other people are telling can have as much meaning as you want to give it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can participate yeah. as much or as little as you want. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, that group therapy. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so we see Jen go through some some really difficult dating experiences. There's the crazy wedding episode where she ultimately does meet someone who the dating experience seems to be going well, mm-hmm. and then she gets essentially ghosted by this guy who we later learned on uh, later learned yeah. was like in with the intelligentsia man cult Mm -hmm. group but as part of dealing with that loss of being ghosted she ends up back with a meal and little does she Mm -hmm. know that he kind of has his own little superhero group therapy so i was so excited to talk to you about this dynamic because in many ways it's it's obviously like a very unique circumstance like talking to superhero 
super powered individuals and the challenges mm-hmm. that they have to deal with. But in many ways, it's just all the same stuff. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work with young adults on the spectrum mm-hmm. and the the one character who like doesn't want to take his like yeah, porcupine guy outfit yeah. off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Although this was not the representation in the movie. Very like similar to like in the group I used to do with these young adults of like what might it be like to leave that stuffed animal at home? Or like what might it be like mm-hmm. to put on a different shirt tomorrow, even if it feels weird? And obviously not the same thing, but also very like very like when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's so funny. That reminds me of a very specific conversation that I had in group once, <laughs> um, yeah. even though it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. And I just, you know, the the sort of arc of Jen initially being like, no, I'm not participating in this group therapy session to the guy walking in who had attacked her. And then mm-hmm. uh, she turns into She-Hulk and attacks him back, mm-hmm. I think, in, in many ways, like mm-hmm. justifiably so. Like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he mm-hmm. here? And that, in a way, sort of that vulnerability of her showing that anger then showed the group that's like, oh, actually, there's more going on for Jen than just this experience, right? So they wanted mm-hmm. to support her in, you know, finding out about what was going on for her. And they they did that in a really beautiful group therapy kind of way where uh-huh. initially it's like, we're going to beat the hell out of that guy that ghosted you. And then uh-huh. like, oh, actually, maybe we can talk about how we can just practice acceptance and practice how we can yeah. sort of move on from that experience. Yeah. No, that was a very sweet moment. Yeah. And what was really nice was there was like, they they must have had a therapist or someone well-versed in therapy on this yes. writing team because Absolutely. the like arc of that therapy group covered so much growth and development and like rupture and rapport and yes. um, like fixing and like all sorts of like... <laughs> group dynamics um, and therapeutic dynamics that happen and accurately too in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. that was the, the least accurate part of like how quickly it all happened but, of course right <laughs> but still very yeah but still very very accurately done yeah and yeah. The, they that was a, such a fun scene yeah and you know that sort of whole idea of like can you just show us jen right can you basically like transition back out of She-Hulk and much in the same way that they try to get the porcupine (laughs) superhero guy to take his mask off. It's that same idea. And then they think this happens in in group therapy all the time. And you and I don't get a chance very frequently to talk about group therapy. But, you know, this idea of taking your mask off of really showing the group who you are or being vulnerable to them is such a powerful experience. Yeah. To kind of get a superhero example of that, you know, was really cool. Yeah. Because it's so much easier in like a one-on-one situation to get comfort and trust with one person to be able to be vulnerable. It's so much harder in a group dynamic where like you may like really be comfortable with one person, but like less comfortable with another and and maybe like not even on good terms with another and and figuring out how willing am I be to be vulnerable yep. with so many human variables. Yeah. 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 So she comes out of this group therapy experience let's say with a shifted sense of self of like she has worth just as Jen Walters and 
she proceeds to continue having worth as She-Hulk as she goes back to work and deals mm-hmm. with superhero turned sort of supervillain and interactions with Daredevil. And, and we can go into that mm-hmm. a little bit. But I thought some of the feedback that she got from Daredevil, Matt Murdock, was really interesting. He said that uh, he said, you know, Jenna Walters can use the law to help people when society fails them, which I think was a really beautiful way of aligning with clearly what she likes about being a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said, and, and She-Hulk can help people when the law fails them. So you can, if you choose, be the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I mean, hard to say it much better than that. Yeah. And that's my my soapbox about this, the modern thing of like, be your authentic self. And I'm like, oh my God, what does that mean? As if there's just one answer. Yeah. Yeah. In this show, it yeah. would be like, well, she needs to figure out whether Jen or She-Hulk is her authentic self. And he's saying like, no, in certain situations, She-Hulk's the valued version of yourself. And in mm-hmm. certain situations, Jen is the valued version of yourself. And so figure out which situation is which, and then choose that in that situation. And I love that because yeah. I'm so sick of that. There's this idea that like we are one set of behavioral patterns across all circumstances. Like that would be bonkers. Like that would just. Well, and, and that's yeah. what smart Hulk <laughs> is, right? Is like, uh-huh. oh, you can't just be Bruce Banner. You can't. Just be uh-huh. a Hulk and take advantage of those things in separate situations. You have to like meld them into this thing that's effective uh-huh. in all situations and is, you know, uh-huh. but also realistically, like, so you're also a Hulk in all situations. Like, that is not ideal. I mean, obviously, you can find ways to make yeah. it work. And he talks about that. But but that's yeah. sort of what you're talking about here of that there has to be some melding, right? There has to be some sort of idealized version. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the the conclusion that they ultimately came to, um, that Jen ultimately came to, was enjoying both parts of herself separately as needed, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And she ultimately did some really interesting things with those choices as she continued to kind of build out what that personality was going to look like. But we had one mm-hmm. further challenge for her to face, and it was the sort of revenge of these intelligentsia guys, yeah. basically, who... Angry white men. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> they they basically do, like, revenge porn on her, and it's terrible. Yeah. And in her moment of... Her moment of triumph, where she's, uh, you know, women, law- women lawyer of the year, which has its own problems. Um, and then she's one of like 10. Yeah, exactly. A lot of problems with that ceremony. But then it gets even worse because they, it sort of gets hacked and hijacked. And and again, justifiably show she has a very intense and emotional reaction to that experience. Yeah, incredibly embarrassed and ashamed, and her parents are there. Yeah, yeah. So as a, as therapists, you know, are you watching that, thinking like, oh my gosh, how is she going to recover from this? Because obviously, this is in many ways like the the sort of rock bottom, if there is, like of her experience. Like it was sort of headed in this positive trajectory, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh no, you know. In many ways, we mm-hmm. see some of these other superhero arcs where it's like, you know, you're talking about Spider Man, like Aunt May dies, so now it's like, okay. Now are you Spider-Man all the time and you got to, you know, Uh avenge and do all these things? Or is it, you know, how do you, in other words, how do you 
what's your takeaway from this experience, right? Because she does Hulk mm-hmm. out and she does go to jail and she does lose her job. But yeah. that's not the end of Jen's story. Totally. Yeah, I think what's so funny is that scene, set of scenes. Yeah. What I thought was funny was I was I was so like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I wasn't like, oh, no, what are you doing? You're ruining everything. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And then when the like SWAT team was had their like sniper lasers on her and stuff, I was like, wait, what's happening? Why? Like, Why oh no! Coming after? Yeah. Like what? Did, yeah. Like what? What happened? And truly, it took the start of the next episode for me to be like, "Oh, oh, that was just in reaction to the emotional outburst." <laughs> like yeah. it didn't even occur to me. And then, truly, what I had to think about was, okay, in real life, if somebody had that level of ability and strength, that type of an outburst would be terrifying, particularly yeah. in the context of this Marvel universe where like superheroes getting angry and being out of control can be very dangerous for Absolutely. regular old humans. Yep. Um, and so then I kind of had to like figure out the the psyche of the others instead of mm-hmm. her. Yeah. I think that was kind of more my reaction. And then frustration of people are not allowed to have moments of, you know, like you can have like 10 well-contained, beautiful, wonderful moments and then one really just like emotional overwhelm moment and it like tears it all down. And I think that's such a realistic description and I think it sucks. Yeah. And I think, should she take responsibility for it? hundred percent. Like she did it. She made a set of choices because there's a difference between controlling your emotions versus controlling your emotional expression. So she Mm -hmm. couldn't control her anger and her embarrassment and her shame in those moments. She could control her emotional expression she's ultimately human human like and yeah, so absolutely. got overwhelmed which we all do but also it ultimately like it kind of starts getting better and turning out a little bit more but yeah i was pretty frustrated of like oh let's just recognize that like the whole world just saw a video of her having sex yeah yeah and, <laughs> and you know it's an interesting arc as when you when you bring it back to the first episode where it's like I don't need to be taught how to regulate my emotions. Like that's the thing that I know best how to do. And then for her mm. quote unquote low, one of her lower moments of the, of the series to be her lo- quote unquote losing control of her anger. Mm-hmm. But as the audience, we're seeing that as in many ways, like a justified loss of control, right? A justified mm-hmm. rage, right. Of, of, mm-hmm. of that experience. You know, I think it was a really, interesting choice in terms of oh like how are they going to challenge this character because Mm -hmm. obviously they challenged jen in the context Mm -hmm. of attempts at dating and sort of standard job challenges but even the ways in which they quote-unquote challenged she hulk she was pretty able to handle herself in all like physical confrontations like every mini mm-hmm. battle that yeah. happened she fought off titania and daredevil and yeah. whatever well, that frog guy was Hulk. yeah exactly yeah so that was never really a challenge for her so the biggest challenge to jen was the combination right it's you're receiving this award as she hulk but what's being revealed and and in many ways like criticized or ridiculed is is jen right? Is this Mm. private moment of yours. So it's the combination of her experiences that's being challenged, Mm. not just 
one or either individually that she had, you know, over the course of the episode start to mm-hmm. really overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like this is a, a slightly different situation because like the video was hidden and stuff. But when like yeah. celebrities mm. nude photos get leaked that they've clearly taken themselves. Of course. I frequently see the narrative become like, well, they shouldn't have taken those photos. Yeah. Blaming the and victim. I'm like, yeah. No, somebody shouldn't have le- like stolen mm-hmm. and then leaked those photos. Like that's the gross part. Somebody enjoying their physique and sharing it with somebody that they're intimate with. That's not gross that's not weird it's it's the person who stole it and shared it that's weird and in this situation she gets blamed for her anger and kind of nobody talks about what set it off and I think that that like also like what I have seen frequently in my life is if two men get in a fight or an argument somewhere people like talk about it that day but then never remember it if it's a man and a woman or two women it gets talked about yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks after, even if there was like nothing particularly dramatic about it. And it's because women aren't allowed to get like expressively angry. Yeah. 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 And there are tons of examples out there like that. And that's why the episode after this outburst, where we see her recover from this experience, from losing her job, from mm-hmm. going to going back and having to move in with her parents, like this real mm-hmm. low moment. Mm-hmm. And what does she decide to do? She decides to go back to the retreat, to go back to group therapy and like, you know, uh-huh. I just I just need to go back and get some support. I need to talk about this or I yeah. need some alone time. And like, what a great... People who will understand. Yes. What a great decision on her part. That's exactly what she needed. Yeah. And when she goes to do that, who does she run into? But the group that's basically been terrorizing her for yeah. the whole series of this show. Uh-huh. Todd. And that's where we get the the sort of ultimate fourth wall breaking is... Yeah, the the peak, which was, you know, for me, really cool of like, and I think Jen kind of named it so well, you know, she said, like, really, this is what we're doing, like the bad guy from the cult gets some of my blood. And now he's a Hulk, too. And now Titania is here. And all of a sudden, the Hulk's here. And, you know, Mm -hmm. abominations here. And it's like, that would have been a very sort of stereotypical, like ultimate battle, Marvel Mm -hmm. plot point ending. Yeah. Like Kevin says, well, this is the way we always do it. This is the way it's always been. Uh And to Jen's credit, she does not want that to be her story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's like, no, this is not how I'm doing this. (laughs) Yeah, and I thought it was such a cool way to, to kind of illustrate what taking control of your narrative like literally can be right because Mm -hmm. obviously she does it in a very like meta way of oh you know kevin is the ultimate storyteller and you have to go advocate to him and nobody talks to kevin no but but Mm -hmm. she kind of fought her way through um and advocated and convinced kevin that this could be a different kind of story that this could be her story Mm -hmm. And Kevin, whatever entity he is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, the robot, Kevin, whatever, um, yeah. <laughs> the AI, Kevin, you know, agrees to it. And it's basically like we sort of erase that whole classic Marvel battle ending. And it's just like, actually, the cops showed up and Daredevil showed up because he was requested mm-hmm. into the story. And, and so it was provided to, to Jen. Uh-huh. She's like, I want this man that I have a healthy relationship with yes. to be there in my final moment. Great. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I know. I love it too. Yeah, because I think, you know, that 
that decision on her part to go take care of herself should be rewarded, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the takeaway with we as the audience and me as a therapist would want people to see. It's like, you know, this this at your lowest moment, you decided to go back into therapy, into group therapy, or go back to retreat to get support and space that you need. Awesome decision that should be rewarded. Mm-hmm. You should grow mm-hmm. and learn from that. It shouldn't result in an ultimate battle where you're forced to confront every, you know, demon that you've had, mm-hmm. you know, over the mm-hmm. past, you know, however long this is the series is supposed to take over the over the course uh-huh. of. But well, and what I also yeah. really like about it is if you do find yourself mm. like you go and you think you're gonna have this really pretty nice experience where you're gonna sure. be in the sauna and you're gonna sweat it out, and then you're like, okay, cool. Now I'm in this grand battle and forced to face everything. You in that moment get to decide, okay, I'm here. How do I want to move forward? Like, how do I want to participate in this? Now, what sucks is she's able to like decide like what Blonsky does and that Bruce goes back to space and that Titania disappears. And that so she gets to control other people, which mm-hmm. we cannot do. Of course. But we can control. Like I, I say to my patients all the time, like it's pretty hard to fight with somebody who's not fighting with you. So if you don't want to fight with mm. them, don't fight with them. Yep. Sit in silence, walk away, start singing a song, like whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. You get to decide, or if you want to, you get to fight. And sometimes that's what you choose. But yeah, I really like she, like you said, kind of takes control of her own narrative in that moment. Yeah. And the meta communication I love. Yes, same, because I think that's that's who this character is, right, is mm-hmm. she wants to tell her own story directly to the audience, um, even mm-hmm. knowing how the audience sees her in some regards, mm-hmm. that she's like mm-hmm. in on it, she's in on the joke, she's in on the, the mm-hmm. theme, she's in on what people want to see, and yet she's going to tell her story the way she wants to tell it anyway. Well, didn't you say that they were like review bombed by like people that were mad that there's this female take kind of like the Ghostbuster situation? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, if you if you search and I'm not suggesting that you do this, but if you search, you know, She-Hulk on TikTok or, or Twitter or things or, or YouTube, mm-hmm. you will see people having really strong feelings for really weak reasons um, about the show. Gross. And yeah, gross, I think is the, is the right way to describe it. <laughs> and it feels like the writers recognized probably pretty early on that this show was going to get this reaction. So they basically mm-hmm. wrote those reactors into the show. Yeah, she metacommunicated that the whole way through. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was really genius because – you know, you, you could show the audience that like, actually, we're already ahead of you. We know how you're mm-hmm. reacting to this along the way. And we're working with it. Yeah. And I thought that that was really smart. Because that, for me, at least earns a sense of trust of like, okay, they know what they're doing. Yes, uh-huh. we can tune out all of these people who would have some really unreasonable feelings about whether this is mm-hmm. a worthy story to tell or not. Mm-hmm. And we can just kind of trust these people to, to kind of go along the ride that they're doing something of, of value and, and in mm-hmm. a different way and in their own way. And that that's, mm-hmm. that is good. That is a good thing that that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So stick around because we also have uh, some breakdown of, you know, the legal stuff of this Yay. show. 
You have your own Jen. We have our own Jen legal expert. <laughs> so stick around. We're gonna play around with that a little bit and have some fun and 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 we'll do some reviews specifically of those parts of this show. So please stick around for that. All right, so we are going to go from one Jennifer Walters She-Hulk attorney at law to another Jennifer attorney at law, my wonderful wife, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on Pops Like 101. You're welcome. So one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on, obviously, is because you are also an attorney and you can speak to sort of how accurate that was. But you have a startlingly a high number of other similarities to this character. Um, and I, I, you know, I just think it's funny. Maybe we start there. Maybe we could list off the things of how many similarities you have to Jennifer Walters. I mean, yes, we are both named Jennifer. We are both attorneys at law. We are both female attorneys at law. Obviously we are born in the same year. And most importantly, we both drive a Toyota Prius Prime and we both clearly love them. Clearly love them. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, there's probably a lot of uh, emotional transference uh, for you watching uh, her poor little car get destroyed. That was heartbreaking. I was so sad. And obviously a lot of the the legal stuff that she went through too was, uh, was maybe some of the things you could relate to or not. But some of those things are what I wanted to ask you about. So, you know, Haley and I talked about the sort of emotional experience as a woman, you know, having to control her emotions and why she's so much better at it than Bruce really from the get go. But you and I were talking about how as an attorney that this is actually a skill that you need sometimes as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, any attorney and not just a female attorney, but any attorney has to be able to control their emotions. There are some attorneys out there and obviously not all attorneys um, who will try to get under your skin or try to frustrate you in order to help their client or sometimes just because they're not such a great person and (laughs) that's what they want to do. So you have to be able to turn those feelings not off, but down and look at what you're doing from the perspective of what's the best thing to do for my client, not necessarily how much do I want to scream at that person right now. Yeah, and it was interesting. The the villain, uh, one of the villains of the series, Titania, it felt like that was the main way that she was fighting Jennifer Walters was just like, annoying her, um, trying to get her to either turn into She-Hulk or to fight her or take her name away. So I thought that was really interesting, the sort of way that she was tested. It wasn't really her strength as much as her emotional strength. Yeah, that's a really good point. Also, I love that actress. So that just every scene with her was enjoyable to me. But that's true. I mean, throughout the series, she keeps trying to do things to get a reaction from her. So just, I mean, imagine someone taking your name and putting it on a billboard. (laughs) That is infuriating. (laughs) A name you don't even like. Oh, that's worse. Yeah. So um, there were some really interesting similarities, obviously, to actual law practice, but I'm curious about some of the differences that you might have noticed. It seems like uh, Jennifer Walters, as soon as she takes over the superhero law division, is practicing a lot of different types of law. Now, as therapists, you know, Haley and I can do different types of therapy, work with different types of clients in different circumstances in some ways, but I, I feel like for attorneys, that's not necessarily the same circumstance. 
You are right. That's not really normal. Most people wouldn't jump from criminal, civil, complex, commercial litigation, product liability, and a litany of other things most of the time, not all the time. There are some attorneys out there who will specialize in who or who will do more general practice, will do trust in estates, will do real estate closings, will do some personal injury cases that will be more broad of a practice. But a lot of times, for the most part, attorneys will specialize much like every other job. Immigration law is extremely different from personal injury law. Personal injury law is extremely different from real estate law. There's not a ton of crossover, but that was fun to watch her jumping somehow from knowing product liability law to uh, criminal law the next day. Yeah. And and it sort of felt like a good way to um, like again, sort of like stress her out to sort of like, okay, today you're uh, defending this guy who actually it turns out might be a villain. And this other day you're, you know, trying to defend this person who um, is trying to get parole, right? So it's a lot of different types of, of circumstances, but she carried herself pretty well. So it was interesting that, that you know, that that's well, yeah, because at no point did she actually argue law. She didn't. She wasn't arguing the cases that are involved in law. She was just giving very nice speeches, which is very nice writing. Well, right, but to your point, is not uh, really an accurate uh, an accurate representation of what it is to be a lawyer necessarily, as much as it is to be a TV lawyer. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and, and another sort of classic TV lawyer trope is that. The sort of speed of which these cases and, and situations that she's dealing with are are probably vastly differ in the sh- different in the show than they are in real life. Oh, uh, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it in the show it seemed like everything was every case seemed to be resolved within thirty minutes, maybe two days. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'd like to see a judge. Definitely not how that works. Um, Obviously, every state and jurisdiction is different. But as you know, having now (laughs) lived with me for this long, cases will go on for years frequently, even in jurisdictions that are referred to as quote unquote rocket dockets. Those cases are still going to take months at the best. Um, It's very rare, except in maybe like landlord-tenant and emergency cases that a case is going to go through in a matter of even days or weeks. Criminal cases will usually move faster simply because there's a constitutional right to a speedy trial by jury. But typically, most other cases will, will take their time. Yeah, so that's the the magic of television where they can go from, hey, look at this person that you just met that, you know, wanted legal assistance to being in court the next day. Well, yeah. I mean, just from a perspective, you got to file a complaint and you got to do an answer. And obviously, I'm not giving legal advice to your listeners or Jennifer Walters, obviously, but you have to file a complaint. They have to file an answer. There's, There's a whole discovery period. There are motions to be filed. And then you have to wait for somebody to to be able to try your case. It takes time. Yeah, and and you mentioned motions being filed, and that was one of the the sort of moments that you, you know, much like Haley and I kind of geek out when the uh, the Hulk mentioned dialectic behavioral therapy. You know, there was a moment where it's like, oh, this is a thing that's real. Like this is a thing that sort of cut close to what actual law practice looked like. I can't believe you just told everyone how badly I geeked out. Yes, I did. I paused 
a million times to make you watch that with me uh, step by step. <laughs> yes. So that was actually a motion to compel, which is pretty typical in product liability cases that I have that if experienced. Um, and that's usually something that people are fighting over the scope of discovery. And I want this discovery and I don't want to give you that discovery because you're not entitled to it because it's not relevant. I actually very much agreed with Daredevil on this. It was, I didn't think it was relevant. Sorry, Jennifer. Well, all right. And, you know, not to say that she was a, a bad attorney, but she found herself in a lot of ethical gray areas, right? Where, oh, you have to defend this guy or get this guy off parole who tried to kill your cousin or your the the plaintiff's attorney for someone who uh, the defense is you have a transactional relationship with. All these sorts of examples of cases that in her defense, she might have tried to get off of and, and not have to to practice on, but she ended up doing it anyway. I mean, I imagine that that's very unrealistic. Like if there's a if there's an ethical or conflict of interest, that's just sort of immediately addressed and and changed in real world stuff. Yeah, one of the first things was the product misuse in the product liability case that she was handling was that he was misusing the product, and she didn't know that before she filed a lawsuit on his behalf. That wasn't great. And then, yeah, usually, I mean, there's obviously we lawyers have to take a ethics test before they will be admitted into the ethics, into the bar. They have to take the ethics exam. Um, and there's a whole series of rules that every state puts out as to what lawyers can and can't do. And it's usually if you have some sort of a relationship, just like therapists, you can't have a relationship with your client for obvious reasons. And it's, for the most part, in my experience, I've seen it as the same as if you can't have a business relationship with your client, you, you know, that's that's how I've always seen it as a red flag if there's something there. So it's kind of problematic that, you know, she was waiting for her beautiful dress from what ended up being the defendant in the product liability lawsuit. Yikes. Yeah, but it all worked out for her in the end because the guy she was defending ended up being a villain who then she defeated with the other attorney who she also slept with. Oh, Jennifer, a lot of a lot of uh, perhaps ethical concerns going on there all at once. But I think mean, and that's that's sort of one of the dynamics that I found really interesting was an, as an attorney, she's sort of, you know, put in this position of having to defend unscrupulous characters, which is not uh, unique to the, the Marvel universe. Obviously, you know, sometimes you have to defend people who are guilty of terrible things and, you know, and or really sad circumstances. Accused of terrible things. I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. Accused of, right. <laughs> but even if you know that they did it, you still have to defend them. Everyone has a right to an attorney. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> really, really good answers. So, yeah, I, I guess on that dynamic point, though, um, you know, if you were Jennifer's mentor, because we we see her put in this position in this firm where she heads up this division, and she has her uh, law clerk um, Nikki, um, best friend, who who kind of helps her navigate some of these circumstances. But you know, in a lot of ways, she feels kind of isolated on this team. And I wonder if you were her mentor, or if she had a mentor, you know, within the firm, which is pretty typical to have, you know, a, a you know, a uh, sort of professional colleague in that role. What concerns would you have or what would you hope to help her with as she navigates this, you know, new division circumstance she's in? Well, first and foremost, let me just call out Nikki is a paralegal and 
she is <laughs> paralegals are amazing and wonderful human beings. I'm speaking from knowing many amazing and wonderful paralegals. Uh, so that's first and foremost, I had to, I had to correct you there. Uh, also <laughs> as her mentor, I think the biggest thing that I would be worried about for her is honestly that she has to present in a really inauthentic way, even in her own office. Um, you have to defend or assist your client in the best way possible. You need to be able to put your emotions aside when dealing with opposing counsel. But ultimately, it's really important, at least in my opinion, I find it really important to be able to present your authentic self within your office space. Um, and however you you find being able to do that and however you find being able to do that in, in your law firm world. And she couldn't do that. She had to walk around in this kind of full costume uh, as a person that she didn't even like being. And I think that would be where I had the biggest concern for her if I was her her mentor person. Yeah, when we see her kind of navigate that challenge in a lot of different ways, like forgetting to be, quote unquote, be She-Hulk when she enters the building and, you know, and having to to show up in court as She-Hulk and all these sorts of, uh, you know, circumstances, which, you know, I have to imagine when you're in court or in these sorts of very intense negotiations, to your point, like, you want to be comfortable, you want to be your authentic self, you want to feel confident, you don't want to have to feel insecure or unsure of yourself or wondering what other people are thinking of you, like that's got to take, you know, or, or I should say add even more pressure to the work you're doing. Yeah, I think in when you're in court, you, there is a role that you are playing and not, I, and I don't mean playing as in, you know, playing, I mean, as it's a role that you put on. Um, I mean, I, I think you even saw with when we were in the middle of the pandemic and I was working from home and um, our daughter kept coming up to me and saying, why are you yelling? <laughs> and that was just because it was a role that she had never seen or heard me in before is a much more assertive, aggressive person. And I think that you need to be able to put that on when you're in court, when you're dealing with opposing counsel typically, but also that when you're in your own space and when you're with people who you're working with, it's really important to me to be able to reach out to them and say, Hey, I have a question. What are your thoughts on this case? So if you can't present as your authentic self, if you're putting on a front, even for the people who you need to ask for help from, that would give me pause. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, challenges we see Jennifer navigate both from her, um, emotional standpoint as she's being, you know, treated the way she is by people trying to date her to then people who are have like a weird obsession with her and trying to essentially ruin her life in one fashion or another. So she's dealing with a, an unreasonable amount of pressure in a lot of different directions while she's trying to do her job. So, you know, I think acknowledging that is really important. And in one of those circumstances where she's actually defending herself and trying to sort of advocate for her ability to keep her name she hulk she doesn't represent herself she has another attorney with the firm who represents her in that case and that's i think a, an interesting sort of circumstance that maybe people might not know like what that's like because much like people assume therapists oh well you're a therapist surely you just know like you could diagnose yourself you could give therapy to yourself like you can just sort of figure out those situations on your own 
you know, a lot of people might have the same assumptions about attorneys like, oh, well, like if you get sued, you can just handle that stuff yourself, right? You just know how to do that. So why would you need anybody else? But obviously, that's not the case. And we see this example as a really good reason why you shouldn't be representing yourself if, you know, if put in that situation. Don't do that. Don't, don't ever. I mean, that's, that's a general rule of thumb. I would say, I mean, that's from, what was it? That's uh, the worst, the idiot. There's a, there's a very famous quotation about the idiot of a client is the, the one who represents himself. I mean, ultimately that, that is just a, I, it's not a decision I would make is, Typically, you have to be able to have, you want someone who has clear eyes. You want someone who has the ability to look at this logically, who can look at it without the bias that you inevitably have if you're being sued and the emotional connection to a case that you're being sued in. So you want, I I would want somebody who didn't have that to look at a case that I was being sued in and, and give me a realistic analysis and breakdown of what my liability or in that, yeah, in that particular case, they were suing her for copyright infringement, right? To prevent. Yes. Titania was suing her for the name, the use of the name. Yep. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Obviously, it's just a 10-episode series, and it's it's interesting to see the way they represent the sort of law world through the lens of someone who is a superhero but, like, doesn't want to be. So I wonder, as, a, as an attorney, you know, let's say on a scale of one to five Prius Primes, <laughs> how entertaining first did you find She-Hulk? A solid 4.27. Nice. So pretty entertaining. And and obviously we could see why you have a lot of uh, personal connections to the character. Yes. Like, I mean, just when she started driving that Prius Prime, I was so excited. And there's just even the conversation about student loans. I mean, it was just great. It was really great. Yeah, it was great. Um, and, and I guess from the legal perspective, um, we already kind of broke down some of the things that were maybe unrealistic, some of the things that you really liked in terms of how they handled the legal portrayals. So I guess from a, a, a lawyer's opinion, from an accuracy standpoint, um, on a scale of one to five uh, twerking Megan the Stallions, how accurate did you find the, the legal content of She-Hulk attorney at law? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, ultimately, there were some realistic aspects of it. Motion practice, going before judges, pretty pretty on, on point for that. Surprises in the midst of discovery, also pretty sometimes can be on, on point with that. I, I would say it was closer to a 2.7, somewhere around there in terms of accuracy. Yeah, and and we've seen examples of this with mental health as well, where it's sort of like used to ground the show or the movie in like a familiar subject without necessarily needing to uh, be totally realistic in terms of what the processes actually look like. Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, cases go on for significantly longer than that. And it's kind of rare to have someone jump even from one side to the other in terms of plaintiff and defendant. And she moved very quickly from the state to criminal defense attorney. And that seemed pretty like, okay, yeah, that's that's a kind of normal trajectory. But then to go from that to suddenly being involved in a product liability lawsuit and trying to collect enough for a class action by getting that that seemed a little bit of a of a stretch that she would suddenly have enough knowledge that quickly. So 
Yeah. So, you know, right in the middle of the road. And, and, and obviously this is, you know, I think just like Haley and I are excited to see, you know, mental health topics covered. I imagine you're also excited when it's like, oh, a show is actually trying to incorporate law, but like in a fun, funny, casual kind of way. I imagine that's something that is that fun for you as well. This one was fun. Sometimes I can't watch because it's infuriating. I just can't. I can't. I can't. If I see one more objection, that's just ridiculous. I can't. I can't watch them. But but this one was fun and funny and they didn't kind of play it out as much as some of the others. Okay. Well, cool. Well, well, we uh, appreciate you coming on the show to talk and and share your legal expertise with us. We'll be happy to have you on again if we get She-Hulk season two. Awesome. I would really like more Madison with a Y. I just would really like her and Wong as a buddy show. That would really make me happy. Yes, yes. Uh, Madison with a Y, but not where you think. And Wongers, you know, are, are really good um, sidekicks to some of the legal challenges that Jennifer is finding herself in. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much again. And, um, and back to Pop Psych 101. So, Ryan, for our reviews, we've just had a discussion of how legally accurate it was, Mm -hmm. but mental health accuracy on a scale of one to five super influencers, which, Uh yes, oh my God, I can't even, how accurately do you feel that mental health and therapy and and human experience was uh, portrayed in She-Hulk? Yeah. So, you know, the moment Smart Hulk said DBT or said dialectic behavioral therapy, <laughs> I, I think that's when I texted you and I was like, I don't even care what happens over the rest of the show. Like we're, we're talking about this. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> yes. Um, I was so excited because, you know, what a great sort of niche thing for people to be like, dialectic behavioral therapy. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Look it up. It is as tons of fascinating uh (laughs) skills-based approaches that people can benefit from and it's one of my Mm -hmm. personal favorite of therapeutic approaches but that aside because of the sort of unique way that this show was presented right fourth wall breaking Mm -hmm. a perfect group therapy session in five minutes Uh or less (laughs) you know naturally some of it was let's say not based in real life. Of course, it's a superhero show. Uh So some of the aspects of that are going to be colored by the genre that it's in. But that being Uh said, I really want to applaud it for being really based in reality from a human perspective. Mm -hmm. Jen's dealing with real human issues that I would advocate that anyone could come into therapy for those things. Mm -hmm. So it's really good outside of the like, superhero genre stuff they had to do to kind of keep the plot moving. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to give it like a four, three, a 4.3 out of five for yeah. accuracy, like really good. Not a lot of notes other than like mm-hmm. the pacing of things, which I think you just kind of have to do sometimes, but yeah. um, you know, really appreciate the MCU continuing to incorporate mental health themes in a, mm-hmm. in a healthy way. 
Yeah. 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 Like metaphorically, there's certain things that, okay, obviously we don't have people turning into Hulk, but like we spoke about uncontrolled changes in our lives. Like that was very metaphorically well done. I agree. I think a 4.3 is great because I was like 4.5 sounds too high and I was like, but 4 sounds too low. So then when you said 4.3, I was like, oh, (laughs) that's that's where that lands. So yeah, yeah, we found it. Um, Cool. Good. So then on an entertainment value, Haley, on a scale of one to five surprise Hulk cousin nephew siblings, it's Bruce is her cousin. So Bruce's surprise son is her second cousin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scar. Uh, uh-huh. Who knows where that's going to go? But what a weird, random surprise yeah, character introduction. I already forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's like a cousin go. once removed. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, on a scale of you know surprise, uh, Hulk cousin, second cousin. Um, <laughs> how entertaining did you find She Hulk, Attorney at Law? Yeah, I think four point eight. I loved it i think yeah interestingly enough i think the the last episode was my least favorite okay in terms of content because i was a little confused i was like i'm kind of like what is that what and it did also you think was you like had hit a wrong a button turn. when it when it left the disney <laughs> plus menu um so that's the type of stuff that made me actually love it was i was like oh good yeah, once, yeah, yeah. once so it was like kind of confusing and then suddenly they like just took this like sharp left turn and they're like we're gonna be so breaking the fourth wall so much that I like, I loved that. I was like, this is fun. This is so different. It's so funky. It's so weird. Being in the writer's room was so funny. That menu screen situation was so well done. Like I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. 4.8. I think when, as soon as we were done, I like texted you and I was like, I love it. (laughs) Like I love it so much. Like I don't even know if I have anything to say, but I love it so much. I think like, after the second episode, I forgot that I was watching it for this and I stopped taking mm. notes because I was just, I'm just going to watch the next one. I'm just going to watch the next yeah. one because I was enjoying what it so much. What a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately texted my brother and was like, watch it. So super fun. I love the female narrative, like the the explicit female narrative. Absolutely. Which I can recognize why some people would hate that. But I like, I really... I loved it. I thought it was fun, especially like it's so standalone. Um, I think the only mm-hmm. place where you need to have a little bit of knowledge is knowing who Daredevil is. I think that's yeah, the it only helps, place but it's where not you need necessary. To... Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder, like, if when this blind man walks into the courtroom, if you don't know who he is, if it makes it a little bit more confusing. But well, yeah, right, like I, I was like, <gasps> and and my wife was like, oh, who is who's this guy? Like, why, why are we supposed to know who <laughs> yeah. he is? She's like, why why are you gasping? Yeah, yeah. and I've yeah. never. I just have a general knowledge of of comics, of, so of I him. knew exactly sure. who he was, yeah. but I never watched yeah. the show. Yep. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Every moment of it. There's a few moments even throughout the season where if they had stopped even after that episode, I still would have been completely happy with it as well. So yeah, I think they did well and it was entertaining the whole way through and fun. And her her work friend Nikki was great. And yeah, I I just I could say a lot of even more amazing things. But yeah, I loved it for 4.8 out of five. Yes. Yeah. Her work friend and, and shouts to, um, Wong, lots of great, uh, great, you know, uh, like cameos and, and appearances. 
uh, lots of great characters. So, oh my gosh, that um, long relationship with the the woman from the magic show that was like such a yes. fun little like friendship that was created. I loved that. Yes, we we love a good random sort of character, a random relationship. Uh-huh. Um, always good to kind of keep a, a narrative turning. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so kudos to Disney. Keep keep it up. We love our Marvel um, content to have you know grounded human even potentially mental health topics addressed so um thank you all for listening uh as always if there are more weird shows or marvel things you want us to cover please let us know otherwise thank you all as always for suggesting things and for listening and you can follow us along as always on all of our social medias at pop psych 101 bye bye (laughs) Bye. <laughs>